This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dedicated viewers and listeners will know the disability file was a busy one in 2023. There were some highlights like the passage of the Federal Canada Disability Benefit. Stats Canada reported a 5% increase in the number of Canadians with disabilities. There's also been uh, a number of stories, including some pretty high fr- profile ones of airline passengers with disabilities being treated in uh, absurd, ridiculous, and outrageous ways. Rabia Hadar can break down a few of the highlights and lowlights of accessibility in 2023. Rabia is the National Director of Disability Without Poverty. Rabia, nice to chat with you again this morning. Nice to be here again. So let's start with the highlights. What was a key highlight for people with disabilities in Canada? Well, the biggest highlight that we expect to trigger a lot of good systems change was the passage of the Canada Disability Benefit Act. C-22 finally achieved royal assent at the end of June, and we expect it to be a game changer when it comes to financial security for people with disabilities living in poverty. How confident are you that the federal government and the provinces are going to get the consultations, regulations and implementations done in 2024 when it comes to the disability benefit? Well, I'm I'm a positive person. You know, for me, I don't take no for an answer. It, with every obstacle, there's an opportunity. So we've had some little obstacles in this journey with a cabinet shuffle, new minister, um, you know, lots of lots of little hiccups along the way. But we are confident that people are innately good and want to do good. And with that positive hope and wholehearted effort, we're expecting that public servants and parliamentarians are going to continue in the spirit of unanimous consent that we saw in Parliament as Bill C-22 made its way to becoming law, that that will carry forward in making some difficult choices around budgeting the benefit and getting the regulations done. And as people with disabilities, talking to people with disabilities across this country and being a person with a disability, I'm confident that we're gonna be very persistent in having our voices and views reach the powers that be to do the right thing. I think you can acknowledge though that the clock is ticking here, right? That certainly there's going to be an election in 2025. So it means that whatever work needs to be done needs to really be sped up here in 2024. Yes, and as a part of that effort at Disability Without Poverty, we took on our own consultation process to share knowledge with government of exactly what disabled people across this country expect. And in our first phase, we've engaged over 4,500 responses to our questionnaire, and, and that's a ninety over 90% completion rate, Dave. So wow. people with disabilities are ready 
and willing to be heard. Yeah, definitely a mobilized, mobilized front on that one for sure. People with disabilities definitely understand the urgency. There's no doubt about that one. Okay, Rabia, what about the flip side here? Uh, there are too many airline stories to list all in one yeah. single paragraph to set this up. Um, there's probably a couple really notable ones, like the chief accessibility officer having a uh, terrible experience. I believe the airline lost uh, her wheelchair. There was a gentleman who had to drag himself off a plane uh, with his arms uh, hanging on to the sides of seats along the floor in Las Vegas a few months ago. That's just two. What's your overall response to the continued issues of accessibility with airline travel? Well, again, we have the letter of the law, right? We need the passion and intent and spirit honored of that law. And, and, and truly, there is nothing about us without us. If disabled people are not given opportunity to fully lead those processes to implement accessibility wholeheartedly, I don't have a lot of confidence in able-bodied people doing the right thing. Sometimes they just want to adhere to the letter of the law and check the box and say, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, we're accessible. But in reality, they're not because they're not getting the full picture and the importance of the fact that, you know, if somebody has some limited mobility, it doesn't always um, mean that it's consistently possible for them to walk around. They're, they may be, you know, st standing at, off of their wheelchair, they're able to stand and take a couple of steps, but that doesn't mean that they can walk through an airplane. Like, what the heck is wrong with people? If you don't have disabled people talking and sharing and making decisions, then we're not gonna honor the spirit of accessibility. Yeah, I look at the airline travel situation as two-pronged. It's a slipping in service standards and a lack of training for individuals yes. To, yes. To, 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 to deal with people with disabilities to offer accommodation. But I also think that this is an extension of service standards, but when you're talking about perpetually damaging and losing mobility devices, that's just an attention to detail thing that, that the airlines have missed on for decades now. And they continue to miss with like limited accountability. Absolutely. And, you know, we think that we trained staff and, you know, we checked the box. That's what I mean. It's, it's the letter of the law as opposed to the intent. Accessibility is an ongoing process. Yeah. Ongoing learning. If you're not living it, you don't know it. You know, Rabia, switching gears here, there's been a lot of interesting data released all year long from the census from a couple years ago. Stats Canada is processing a lot of this information from the long-form censuses that were done a couple of years ago. And just a couple of weeks ago, they released some data about an increase in the percent of the population that identifies having at least one disability. 27% of the public about 8 million adult Canadians reported having at least one disability in 2022. That's a 5% increase from the last time StatsCan collected this data. What impact do you think a 5% increase is going to have on government policy? That's a significant number, Dave, and that stretches across like across the board, right? We're seeing that increase as a result of climate change, the environment, natural disasters, COVID, wars and calamities around the world that trigger disablement. 
and are impacting our numbers right here in Canada. Times are tough. That also takes a toll on people. So social policy, public policy across the board has to give greater consideration to the fact that we have more disabled people in this country and we need to invest in making sure that their quality of life is enabling them to thrive. Because when people with disabilities thrive, people with disabilities can contribute can offer much more to their society. But when society doesn't offer the appropriate supports needed for them to thrive, then it's a slippery slope of hardship, of barriers, and that also impacts society as a whole. So we, again, need to reflect on the fact that we were quoting 6 million disabled people in this country, and now we're talking 8 million disabled people. That's a substantial increase, and we really got to figure out what we can do right to support disabled people in this country so that they can fully participate and thrive and contribute and help strengthen our social fabric and our economy. Yeah, I, I think there's also a component too that, that there needs to be an understanding of what identify means versus acquired disability. I think there needs to be a particular focus here on maybe offering some assistance in transition for people who've acquired a disability or only maybe being diagnosed with something later in life as disability becomes a little more common. I think it really speaks to the way in which disability is supported, not just in terms of raw policy, but in terms of understanding there might be some new members of the population that are just trying to figure out like what their identity is within the spectrum, mm -hmm. the broad spectrum of disability. Absolutely. And the needs are very different. Yes, between the two. yes, absolutely. The, the identity, the needs, there's, there's a whole bunch of different orientation and mobility. There, there's all kinds of stuff that needs to be considered there. So I, I think that's a huge policy implication for sure. Rabia, I was also really delighted to hear you look abroad a little bit, taking the focus outside of Canada, because 2023 was marked by a lot of interna international conflict. You can think about Azerbaijan, you can think about Ukraine and Russia, you can think about uh, Israel and Gaza. You can look at a lot of the conflict within Central and Western Africa right now. There is a lot of international conflict, which means increasing numbers of disability. How are you applying the international lens to the way you look at disability in 2023? Well, again, you know, our policies need to reflect upon the fact that war causes disablement. You know, and when people acquire disability through trauma, through torture, through terror, it's a very different experience and it's very complex. You know, as disabled people, Dave, you and I can talk straight up, right? Yeah. Like we don't want somebody to become blind. If they happen to, yay, we know how to live with it. No probs, no questions, no, you know, we no pity party here. Yeah, well, right? welcome, like, welcome, welcome I'm to the club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the club. We're 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 happy but, to have you. We're happy to have you. We're happy to support you, but we don't wish it upon you, mm -hmm. right? So why would we engage in activity as humanity? that causes disablement. Why, why would we do that? So we really have to reflect at year end, you know, when people are having holy days and holidays that, you know, there are a lot of people who aren't enjoying what able-bodied people in this world are enjoying through no fault of their own. 
Rubio, let's head on a little bit of a little bit of a positive here. What's your outlook for 2024? Well, like I said, there's always hope. I'm a positive person. I believe that if we set our minds to it, we can make change happen. I believe in the power of people. So I am a real optimist saying disabled people will rise up in 2024 and will be heard, will be felt, will be seen saying, do not leave us behind anymore. I like that. Not on a platter of political maneuvering. You know, it's time to make things right. It's time for systems change. And the broader public, people in positions of power, are going to see the light, realize that 27% of people are disabled around them, and that that 100% chance of acquiring a disability is really possible. And they're going to do right by disabled people by budgeting this Canada Disability Benefit and getting it out the door in an adequate amount to lift disabled people out of poverty. We need every person in this country thriving, and that includes people with disabilities living in poverty. That is quite the closing statement. Rabia, thank you for this. It's been a pleasure chatting with you the last couple of months. Talk to you in 2024. Absolutely. Thank you. That's Rabia Hadar, the National Director of Disability Without Poverty. Let's head over to the East Coast of Canada for an entertainment talk with Laura Bain. Laura Bain, you've got podcasts on the brain today. Yeah, I sure do, Dave. So I was digging around a little bit in my Apple podcast app, which is where I listen to all of my podcasts. I discovered they had quite a few sort of top 2023 lists, including a list of most shared podcasts. And that brought me back to a conversation we had on the Daily Poll a little while ago about when someone shares a podcast with you, do you hit share? (laughs) Do I hit play or hit share? Yeah, exactly. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Do you hit play? That's what I meant to say. Um, so I have, I just wanted to kind of look at a few of these top most shared podcasts, uh, what people are obviously sharing with one another and see if you're going to hit play or oh, not. Oh, I love it. We're going to play a game called, are you going to give this a listen? Yes. Oh, are. I love it. Okay. So the first one, this was top of a number of lists was the Huberman lab. I hadn't heard of it before, but on this podcast, they discuss neuroscience and how our brain and its connection with the organs of our body control our perceptions, our behaviors, and our health. The host, Andrew Huberman, is a new, is a neuroscience and neuroscientist and a uh, professor of neurobiology at Stanford. So he's got all the qualifications. There's a lot of episodes, over 150 of them. The most recent episode, Dave, I'm going to share it with you how sugar and processed foods impact your health oh dear are you are you hitting play uh it sounds like a very intelligent podcast i'm going to pass though i need escapism from uh into that kind of intelligent talk in my podcast world yeah i i agree i I mean i sometimes like these sort of self-improvement podcasts but this one sort of sounds like it sounds like work someone is sharing this (laughs) with me to like (laughs) improve me in a way that I'm not necessarily (laughs) don't come don't come for my sugar Huberman yeah okay the witch trials of JK Rowling 
guess a lot of people are sharing this one. That kind of surprised me. So this is a free press podcast, which examines some of the most contentious conflicts of our time through the life and career of the, quote, world's most successful author, J.K. Rowling. So host uh, Megan Phelps Roper sits down with J.K. Rowling to speak with unprecedented candor. And from what I can tell, this is a seven-part podcast. It's sort of a limited series. It mostly focuses on her views around sex and gender. Oh, dear. Are you hitting play? <laughs> no, I uh, don't need more cancel culture in my life either. Mm-mm, yeah, J.K. Rowling is sort of canceled for me as well. <laughs> I still like the Harry Potter movies. I'm sorry, but no, I am not. Yeah, you know what? Like, it's all good. Like, if people still want to like their Harry Potter, that's fine. But I don't need to hear from J.K. Rowling anymore. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I'm going to move on to the no good, terribly kind, wonderful lives of Barry and Honey Sherman. Now, this one caught my attention because there's actually two podcasts about this couple. There's also a Toronto, is it Toronto Sun or Toronto Star, Toronto Star podcast called The Billionaire Murders. So this is a true crime podcast. There were lots of true crime podcasts in the kind of top listens, and it looks at the kind of honey and this is again it's like a for uh we're going for a lot of swings and misses here because i'll pass on that one too true crime doesn't do it for me oh see i this one was on my list and i sort this is one that i feel like i've sort of um was really popular and i kind of missed listening to so i would say like over break when i have the brain space this is one i might listen to okay all right that's cool I'm striking out here, Dave, but I think maybe with this last one, uh, and a sports metaphor is appropriate. So, spit and chicklets. <laughs> it's former a... NHL. Go ahead. Go sorry. Ahead. Go, no, you please, please, please. Okay. Former NHL vets Ryan Whitney, Paul Bissonette, Barstool sports writer, Rear Admiral, and producer Mike Grinnell. You can tell this is my comfort zone. Bring on, bring their outspoken and irreverent opinions to the masses. So this focuses on the NHL, but also pop culture. And the most recent episode talks about all kinds of things that mean nothing to me, including when are we going to get a best on best tournament? Ah. Uh, okay, I'm going to be careful here because uh, the Barstool fans, the Stoolies, are an aggressive bunch. Not okay. not wild about this podcast. A lot of people in the hockey world absolutely adore it. They actually did a little bit of journalism this year. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets coach Mike Babcock got fired because of some journalism this podcast did about the way he was treating players in the locker room, which was really, really fascinating. It's just a little too bro-y for me, Laura. Like, like I, I, There's some hockey podcasts that I love, 32 Thoughts with Elliot Friedman and, and Jeff Merrick of Sportsnet, Puck Soup with uh, with uh, uh, Sean McAdoo of The Athletic, and uh, Ryan, oh gosh, what's Ryan's last name of Elite Prospects? They're a little bit more uproarious, and and but they're a little more sincere than the Spitting Chicklet guys. So uh, yeah, the, the Spitting Chicklets is a little too uh, bro-y for my taste, but, I, but I, I do think they do some interesting work. Yep, and a lot of what you just said was words to me. So, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not hitting play on this one. Although the most recent episode had Michael Bublé, and I was like, oh, is he sports? Yes, apparently. <laughs> apparently he's an owner. So. Yeah. Michael Bublé likes sports. By the way, Ryan Lambert is the co-host of the Puck Soup podcast with Sean McAdoo of The Athletic. So, so good. Okay, Laura, got to be quick on this one because we got to get out of here. What's your favorite podcast besides Now oh, with boy. Dave Brown? Just one. Okay. 
I listen to a lot of travel podcasts, but I'm going to throw a little love to the show Risk with host Kevin Allison, where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I've been listening to that one for about a decade. It is not safe for work, but it is honest and candid. And I really just, that is one I have shared with people and people have started listening to it. I'll save you some of the sports and culture podcasts that I listen to, although I listen to a lot of those. Uh, Check out Plain English with Derek Thompson. Plain English with Derek Thompson. It's a news and current affairs show by a writer for The Atlantic. His name's Derek Thompson. Fair enough. Uh, Really, really good. Really, really good. Two episodes a week. uh, Always interesting topics that are in the news. So, so smart. So, so good. He's a great communicator. Love that show. Hey, Laura, one last thing before I let you go. I know I've kept you way over time here. Uh, There's a storm in the Atlantic provinces. Mm -hmm. How are you holding up right now? Fine. You know what? Where I live, I feel like we lose power so easily and we haven't lost it uh, today or yesterday. So knock on wood. I've got a one last assignment to get out uh, for tomorrow. So hoping it stays that way. Okay. Top notch. Laura, thank you for this. Have a great day. Thanks, Dave. You too. That is Laura Bain coming up after the break. I've got an update on some of the implications from that storm in the Atlantic provinces as part of the regional news update. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.